Hi, thanks for joining us this week. I just had to add an audio note to explain why I'm giggling through the first bit of this episode. I deleted about 10 minutes of rambling prior to the start of this podcast. Um, When Mike and I first started talking, I hijacked the conversation and I talked about the weather for about five minutes straight. And then I talked about liking to talk about the weather for another five minutes. I even coined a term, weather talker. Hello, my name is Kelly D and I'm a weather talker. Um, Oh, and dibs on the scarf name. Good, Kelly. How you doing? I'm doing really well. Hey, do you want to talk about the next song on the record? Um, I'd like to talk about how unseasonably warm it is today. <laughs> um, okay. I can't believe it. Here it is towards the end of February, and it's short sleeve weather. <laughs> And even God. even today, coming home tonight, it was a little uh, like a light drizzle, mm-hmm. and I had to have Lauren meet me down on the gravel with a flashlight to clear the uh, water dogs and salamanders off the road, so I wouldn't smash them with the car. No, really? Yeah, they were everywhere. Oh, they're doing their their spawning thing, right? Yeah, there's this kind of a creek on either side of the gravel road where I live, and they go from one side to the other. I remember this last year you did this. Was it last year? Yeah. Yeah, any kind of any time it's kind of warm out in rain, in rains, you know, I guess they're looking for higher ground or they're, I don't know, I guess they're going from one creek to the other or they're looking for a mate or, I don't know, they're just, you know, surprising how many of them there were. Oh, did you take a picture? No, because it's really dark out and um, I w- didn't think it would turn out, but. That, like, you know, there's you say brown ones, yellow one. Well, like, uh, probably 10. Okay. okay. I thought it was like a new plague that just happened. That's what I had in my no, mind. I, I, if there was a plague of salamanders, I would welcome it. Okay. But that's 10 more than I want to smash yeah. with a tire. You know, it seems, seems a bit like... I don't know, rude or selfish to drive down the road smashing everything on it. It's super gentle of you. It did take an extra 30 minutes to go the 100 yards, Ooh. though. Wow. Because they freeze in the light. Oh. And you really got to prod them, you know, to, to move. And they would actually smash. They don't just kind of, I don't know, get out of the way or kind of become... I mean, I wish they were made of, like, fruit roll-up material where they just sort of form to the shape of whatever you press into it. Yeah. They kind of do, but they don't unform too easily. So once you've pressed them into a shape, they kind of stay that way. (laughs) Okay. Um, So the track two on the album is called Loud Underneath. Yes, it is. It's called Loud Underneath. What made you want to write this song? I knew that I, I was inspired by, I really liked your riff. And I was, I just loved that. And 
And it was so pretty that instead of like trying to find a melody to counter, you know, uh, pop off of that or, you know, become a counter melody to that. I mean, why on earth would anybody want to fight against that? And so it was, I don't know. It, it was so beautiful. I was just like, okay, yeah, what, what you're doing there, I'm seeing that with you. And, um, and a la a George Benson type way, you know. No, that's just cross town traffic, isn't it? Never mind. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe it was, who knows which one it was. George Benson. Which one does he do? I don't know. I can't remember now. Um, So I really knew whatever my words were going to be, it was going to pop to that. And it's also interesting that that the the typical part, the guitar part, was actually the verse instead of the chorus. And the the part that I would have thought was a verse, we which one? What do you consider the verse and the chorus on this song? The they're kind of like. Uh, plotting, churny type. And, uh, so we open with the chorus. Striding guitar. No, it hmm. it opens with a verse, I think. Okay, then what what is the chorus? The melody you were just singing. Okay, yeah, that's unusual. Yeah, the little hook melody. Yeah, I think that's the chorus. Okay, I think that's unusual that we do that. And I'll tell you why. It's because most of the words are, you know, I kind of have a chorus words and they kind of basically repeat. You change a few of them, chorus them up, you know. Um, That's what I do on the verses, that first part that's played. I I treat that like a chorus melody. But the choruses, I treat like a verse melody. I, I give it the verse treatment where they're all different. There's a little hook that happens in there, but they're basically all of the lines are different. And um, things get very soft in the chorus. Things clear out so that it's just me singing and your guitar doing that thing. And that's yeah. that's not how the typical melody and verse thing act, action happens. Yeah, well, whatever you did, I like it. Sounds good. And you talk about the weather. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah, you were right. You do like talking about the weather. <laughs> do you want to talk about how you came up with the riff for the, or how we recorded it? You know, the riff, actually, I, can't, I, I might have been playing your guitar or something. I, it was on a Breeders Tour, and I was working for you guys, and I would always take... Apparently not hard enough. this was off the clock oh okay well you're never really off the clock ah true you know on a on a tour really but i would always take all of the guitars up to my hotel room because i didn't trust them being like in a truck or down in uh you know some in other countries some hotels would well probably in this country too but hotels would offer locker space or like a, a locked room or something and downstairs we, we appreciate you could that. put luggage in i just thought you know i really don't want all these nice guitars next to like you know someone's suitcase like any people are going to be getting in that in and out of here all day and night mm-hmm. so i would just kind of like build a guitar fort in my room <laughs> and 
play guitar sometimes if it was late at night or we had a day off or I couldn't sleep or whatever. Yeah. And yeah, it was just like Kyle was probably there. Yeah. He traveled with us and we were just whatever he was doing, you know, whatever. And I was just playing guitar and I started playing that and I was like, oh, I kind of like that. And he might have even said that, oh, that sounds neat. And then I, I know the next day at Soundcheck, you know, I always get there early and yeah. tune stuff up with Mark, who was the sound guy, Mark Arnold. And usually if we had time, you know, before, if there, if we got it, actually got into a place with a decent amount of time and, and actually got all of our shit done before the, the band would show up. And then sometimes Mark would say like, hey, just kind of start going through the stuff. If, if we got time, let's get the PA happening. So mm -hmm. I would like tune the drums. I'd start on the drums. I'd play the kid. I'd go to the bass, you know. What did you, what, 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 what go-to drum pattern would you do? Oh, just, you know what? What? It, well, I do live sound as well. You know that, but people listening might not know that. And there's nothing more obnoxious when yeah. you're trying to get drum levels than when you ask a drummer to play and they've they've already got a pre-planned like show off exercise routine that they're going to do yeah you're really just looking to get you know if you ask for kick drum you just want like boom 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 you know you're listening to the attack you're listening to the development of the sound the decay of the sound through the through the speakers through yeah. the room you might be getting a setting a preamp level you might be tweaking an eq you might be setting a compressor if there's big subs you might be gating a kick or a floor tom or something so you're really not looking for a drum solo so right. to speak what about when he says kinda, when he does the little finger thing and says play it all whole kit yeah whole uh, kit. i just i try to incorporate every element of the kit so i would start on a hi-hat and i would just go if there's two rack toms or in a floor and now i'd go do do that do 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 boop 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 do that do do boop 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 you know just something okay. really simple so yeah. he can hear i don't i know you probably want me to be like oh i play tom sawyer or something <laughs> whatever but i you know i'm not really a drummer so i just try to give the operator what he's actually looking for just to get it close right and then when the real drummer sits down like in this case jim yeah he plays way different than i do he's an yeah. actual drummer and he's very solid so yeah. the levels he's going to give mark are way more you know full on than what i would do so i would just try to hit hard like jim would but play something sparse yeah so mark could hear each thing but anyways yeah uh, but the point is i had got i had made it all the way to the guitar station mm -hmm. when jim showed up and Jim sat down at the drum kit and he was like, hey, Mike, let's jam on something. And I, I just started kind of playing that. It was still in my head. He was mm -hmm. like, oh, what's that? I like it. And so then I was like, maybe this is a good song. Like, you know, the first two people that have sort of loosely heard it kind of liked it. Isn't that something? Yeah, like right away said something about it. Now, did you have the did you have the melody part too or just yeah, the, yeah, okay, had you all, had all that going? I had the whole tune, yeah, yeah. that one night. Like I wrote it in 15 minutes or something, the whole song. Well, isn't that great? It just leaked right out of God's hand. <laughs> fell through the clouds. Did it? And you just kept, you just caught it. Yep, landed on me. <laughs> we recorded it at Candyland. Yeah, we. I I was pretty sure it 
was going to need drums. Yeah. Which, you know, I was like, well, it was never really our intent to write songs that required drums and mm-hmm. sort of full band accompaniment yeah. or embellishment or whatever. But I just thought, well, if we do have a song in it, why cut it short? Let's let the songs kind of ask for what they want and let's give them what they want. Right so on. this one asked for drums mm-hmm. and I, oh, we had started kind of um, messing around musically with the drummer, Joe Frankel. Yeah. He was a friend of mine from here in town. He's a, you know, I knew him as a drummer, but he's really like a, a multi-instrumentalist and a writer and all this stuff. And you and I were working on, we had started working on pieces for a film that we were going to score called We're Doing Fine. Right. And uh, yeah, it, I'm sure you remember, like we started saying like, well, what would it be like if we had someone in there kind of flesh out ideas with us? Oh, that's us? right. Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I, I was thinking, what are you talking about? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He, he spent a whole day down there with us and yeah. we just kind of played all, everyone switched instruments and we just tried to make all sorts of music. So we would just start throwing some ideas at the wall, have stuff to choose from and right. send to the filmmakers and just kind of get some ideas churning. Mm-hmm. Well, I just thought, man, Joe's, you know, really, I really like his hands. It's a really nice touch and stuff. And mm-hmm. I, I wondered like, you know, what would it be like if he kind of took a stab at that song? So he came down one day and we, and he and I tracked, you know, the drums and, what would be like a a guide of rhythm guitar? Maybe it maybe it stayed. I don't recall. I had to look at the track sheets, but it was you know the the rhythm guitar part and his drums. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's interesting that um, even okay because we didn't mainly play with drummers, and here is yet a song that we we both agree that drums would be great on. Yeah. But, you know, it's so interesting to me is I still was not, I still didn't want a bass guitar on it. I don't know what is going on with me where the idea of a bass and a drum on a song is something that, and it's not like, oh, it's so easy. It's not like that. It's just, I really, it, it sounds wrong. Ha- putting a bass on this song would have sounded wrong. Until, of course... You did your bass guitar solo. Right, the fuzz bass solo. Yeah, in the middle of the song, breaks down, you and I trade licks, a la whatever, and we break it down into a nice solo there, don't we? Yeah. I think it's so funny. We go back to back. We do, we go back to back. (laughs) You know, it's so (laughs) God, I I can't wait to do that with you. Um, You know what's weird is that... um, well, you, I've ordered us both the wireless guitar system so we won't be so, we can be unencumbered from these cords. Right on, right on, I appreciate that. Yeah, we can that. really move around the room. Um, yeah, but it's interesting, and when you were like, how about a bass guitar in the lead section? And I was like, uh, okay, you know. I think you said, how about not? <laughs> Did I? <laughs> I, I don't know. Probably. Um well, this is what I wrote about the inspiration for this song. Um, this song's about relationships, the idealized versus reality, the closing time versus the morning after, uh, going through relationships like bottles of beer headed towards a mean drunk, interspersed with serene imaginings like the lovely Corona beer commercials on the beach. I have a friend named Nick Eddy, 
And I remember we were talk. He and I were talking about something, and I don't remember talking about dating or something. Um, and he's not us dating. He's married to a lovely woman. Um, but we were we were talking about dating, and he said something about. Um, oh, he made fun of me. He goes, "If this one's burst, this boy's burst. Bring me an Eva." <laughs> kind of like that. It, it it just tickled me so much that I just. I always remember that. I mean, he had, he said that years ago. And when this song came up, it was a great opportunity to use those. They fit right in with the sentiment of the song. And you know what's interesting about that? As I was kind of uh, lyrically, like the last, okay, I'm going to call it a verse. Uh, or I don't know if this is the last one or not, but one of them is, this one's gone, get me another. Mm-hmm. This That's such an alcoholic kind of, mindset you know just get me more get me more get me another one <laughs> let's talk about the seven inch in proto martyr i think i remember reading something about them online and then we had gone down to uh, our ring went down to south by southwest we were invited to do some sort of sub pop publishing thing if you remember yeah, that in the middle of the day the, yeah, yeah. In the middle of the day, and it was it was our ring and s- several other bands, and I think right before we played was Protomart, a band called Protomartyr. I yeah. remember walking in and you know seeing them and just being floored. Well, hey, let's rewind. Yeah, go. Let's talk about how we got there. How did we get there? We had a crazy itinerary to even get us to Texas. And you remember we called in a ringer who arrived in the form of a ray of sunlight, one Mr. Christian Svitak, who agreed to board our ship and pilot it from Memphis, Tennessee, nonstop through the night to Austin, Texas, and promised to deliver us to the curb of the venue in time for the show. And that's exactly what he did. You know, it's funny because I don't remember any of that. <laughs> I think I was unconscious. Yeah. You were sleeping. Yeah. And I was sleeping. Remember, we were both like, oh, we'll stay up with you. Oh. And then immediately we both went to bed and Christian drove all through the night. To be fair. You didn't say that. I never said that. that. That's right. <laughs> I said, I'll stay up with you and so will Kelly. And then I looked back and I just saw Z's coming at me. <laughs> To the van. That's probably what happened. Right. Um, but okay. yeah, we showed up and everybody, we had, you know, you're not really sleeping through the night in a van like that. And, no. and Christian was tired. We were tired. But yeah, it was, a, you know, it's always surreal if you go, if you stay up all night or something. The next day is a bit of a dreamscape, anyway. So we were like, um, like any worthy hero in any sort of uh, Greek epic, we were in a dream state when we encountered these proto-martyr men. You know, I remember all three of us, sometimes at a show, people separate and you're at ver- different places within a venue or something. And we had all kind of wandered around during the course of the two or three bands before them. And at one point, I realized all three of us were watching them. Yeah. And we sort of reconvened as we got ready to grab our gear. And each of the three of us was like, I really liked that band. Yeah. All three of us liked it. Yeah. Very interesting, huh? Yeah. Well, let's talk about what did you like about them when they were playing. Um, let's see. 
I probably the first thing that hit me was the front guy, Joe. That was the first thing that hit me. Um, bef- yeah, and it great. was yeah more of a visual, just watching them and watching him like some weird kind of I I. I've, if you had taken a, a video of just him and then put like a comedian doing some kind of Rodney Dangerfield I was joke. just going to say, he looked like he was showed up to sell vinyl siding but was really casing the joint. Oh, there you go. And like walking and back. And Rodney Dangerfield sold vinyl siding before that's, becoming a. That's really bizarre. Um, and he doesn't, he doesn't look like Rodney Dangerfield at all. Few people you know, he gets, do. He gets a lot of respect. Yeah whatever with all that anyway so but if you had put that lap that kind of uh audio track on him it would have been and then like just this this the sneer or not the sneer that's too mean the the disinterest well and the and this the self-pleased the very the very very pleased with himself delivery of something but you know even that was an act or is it <laughs> Do you know of the, yeah. of the line he just delivered and the little smirk or something? I don't know. There just everything about it kind of had that 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 vibe, and so that was and that was really unusual. And then the other thing, um, and I also like that he was. It's not like he's a fifty year old. That would be like me, but he was obviously older than the other guys, and I think he had like a suit jacket on that was like with an open collared shirt so he had the the feel of being yeah it's texas in the summertime you need to dress appropriately i thought it was you wear a full suit yeah it was awesome and the other kids just look like he literally got these 20 year olds out of their parents basement from whatever pot smoking that they were doing to join them all with their all three of them with their heads down just going for it you know the oarsmen yeah, yeah, and so that dichotomy of this this particular guy and those guys um, as his band was a, was a great mix, and then just the playing and the songs, um, everything about it was just a win for me. Ditto. That's what I liked. Yeah, cool. So then they stayed around, and they actually said, "You guys, oh, you guys are great. We should do something together." Okay, they didn't probably say it like that, but you know what I mean. But and then you're always like, yeah, yeah, let's do that, and then fully hope that that, and then move on to your busy, busy South by Southwest day or weekend, you know. Yeah, but then, but, they, but we did stay in touch, and we talked about this in multiple on our multiple first two episodes of this podcast, how you meet people. Sometimes you say you're going to stay in touch, but you don't. And then the ones that you do stay in touch with, there's usually a reason, you know? Yeah. Because they're serious. You're serious. And there's something there. And it gets off the ground a little bit. Yeah. And so that South by Southwest is in March. And um, we chatted on and off, I think, that year. And Mm -hmm. um, we made fixed plans to meet up in December in Candyland at the old location in Cincinnati. And they right. came down for a weekend and the, the agreement, what we decided we were going to do, we we're going to do a split single, a seven inch vinyl only. And then they would do one side and we would do another side. 
Their song is called Blues Festival, and I'm going to play it now.
that turned out so good. You can get that 7-inch vinyl from Mike and I at our R Ring Bandcamp. Um, you can find it at rringsings.bandcamp.com. Yeah. I also want to talk about our video. Well, you talk about the video that Cy Gavin made. Cause I, I don't even know how it came about. This was all you're doing. Well, I met Cy through an artist named Matthew Ritchie. He's an incredibly talented guy, and he offered to help with some images, etc. And I said, what about a video? He said, sure. So I sent him some stuff that I liked, like the knitted alien autopsy. I think I showed you that. Oh, I have seen that, yeah. yeah. Um, that's a creation of Emily Stone King at Anitomy. That's A-K-N-I-T-O-M-Y. She has a store... Um, it's on Etsy. Um, I contacted her to see if it was okay to use a design of hers in a video. And Cy checked out her site, and he was inspired by one of her fiber cra- creations, uh, the bisected human head image. Let me read this note from Cy. It's about his process and coming up with the idea for the video. He writes... Well, when Kelly told me that Paul Clay's journals inspired some of the lyrics, I also looked to Clay for inspiration. I found his painting, Pavilion, really captivating. So I used this highly stylized painting as a starting point to create an imaginary space. I was also told some of the lyrics were about having sex. Love, Sai. It's The song is about love. Not having it, and then finally having it. I wanted to find a way to show that anticipation. I'd been staring at the computer and trying to write, so I began seeing the blinking cursor as representative of a pulsing and excited anticipation of a moment of truth. I wonder how, it, what does he make a man? Or how, like, I mean, I, I gotta be honest, I don't know two shits about making a, a video. I've never done anything with moving pictures. I wouldn't even imagine what program he would use or. I don't know. I know that he does. It's a multimedia thing of sorts. I know a computer is involved somehow because all of those images that are um, on that loud underneath video that you can watch on YouTube, all of those things, um, all those images are chalkboard, white chalk on a blackboard. And he just drew them and then filmed it. And then erased it as, you know, as he went. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, um, and then he incorporated that somehow, that both the film and that, the cursor movement. Um, no, it's crazy. You know, the, um, uh, it's the guy we were talking to today from Ghetto Blaster was yeah. talking about, you know, would you ever go after doing a full length record or kind of putting something out? quote unquote for real or you know like manufactured are you interested at all in going back to sort of handmade things and it there really is a feeling like in a record anyone's record or art project or whatever it really spans years and there are so many people involved and there is so much handcraft or handwork involved in all of these processes uh-huh. but you know like you just see the final thing like yeah i mean so I drew that on a chalkboard. Everything is very handmade. Mm-hmm. You don't have to actually, like, you know, embed a song into a painted rock or something and cast them out into the world. There is still handcraft involved in 
the making of this video and the, the sort of packaging of this record and this artwork. And you mentioned before, like all of the people that you meet through the process of doing this, whether it's on the road or collaborating or whatever. And I just am taking a moment to acknowledge how interesting it is, how beyond ourselves this album kind of is, how many other people are involved to kind of get this thing off the ground. It's pretty overwhelming when you think about it. There's, it's like really takes a village, doesn't it, Kelly? It <laughs> does indeed. So should we play that song now? Yeah, let's play it. Okay. What's next? Singing Tower. That's right. Yeah. I'm okay, very I'm excited about that. Okay. And that's got quail bones. That's got your crazy family. Whoa. Sorry. Whoops. Whoa. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Bye, Mike. Nice talking to you. All right. On that note, see you later. <laughs> Bye.